Go with me to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now that's Solomon talking to his son. And he says to his son, Now buddy, as you grow up, people are going to try to get you to do things that aren't right. <clears throat> and when they do, I don't want you to be silly. I don't want you to be foolish. I don't want you to make mistakes. I want you to say, I won't do that. I want to talk to you this morning, as all of us as adults and children, that we ought to be very careful, I think, about the adults in this room. As I prepared this message and I studied this passage, I thought about how much sex is enticing you. Pornography, adultery, cubicle couples, and you're enticed. My son, if sinners and sin entice thee, consent thou not. Amen. And then I thought about anger and how easy it is to be angry. Boy, I don't like what's going on. I'm mad at people. I'm mad at government. I'm mad at politics. I'm mad at my wife. I'm mad at my neighbor. And anger is not something that's associated with born-again believers. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Then I thought about money. My goodness, we'll chase an almighty dollar all over the planet. We'll, cut, we'll sell our soul, sell our children, sell our family, sell our trust in God for our trust in money. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now I thought about jealousy, how it eats us alive. Man, we're so consumed with what he has or what she has or what they have and what I don't have and how I wish they didn't have it. And we're in a competition mode. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Then I thought of one more thing, and I'll just mention this, and then we'll go straight in the text. Popularity. You know, you've sold your soul to be popular and to fit in. You won't stand for creation. You won't stand for the sanctity of marriage. You won't stand for biblical values in abortion or whatever because you need to fit in. You want your friends to accept you. You kind of want to be a 007 Christian because you don't like people mocking you. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If you think any of that's true, say amen. amen. And if you don't like it, say oh me. But it's a truth. We have an issue. Now, if you look at verse 10, that word entice, that is translated in your King James Bible and other places as silly, allure, deceived, persuaded, and flattery. The exact same Hebrew word. So being enticed has a little bit to do with the fact that you're silly. You know, you allow that to draw you and to pull you and to lure you in. It's the idea of being drawn towards sin because you're simple, because you are silly, because you're not aware, and you're drawn towards it. So the couple is working in the cubicle, and they're sweet to each other, and they're nice to each other, and they're having a conversation because they had a fight with their wife or their husband, and there's this little discussion going on. And the next thing you know, a bond begins to form. Or maybe there's no harm in looking at that pornography. There's no harm in that. 
I mean, just a quick glance, just a little bit of flirting with it, and it'll be okay. And here's what he's saying. You're silly. You're not informed. You're not thinking. You're not seeing the end result. The word entice in English means to incite, to instigate. It's the exact, it's exciting hope or desire. It's an urge to lead astray. Take your Bible, go with me to James chapter 1, if you would. James chapter 1. In the New Testament, we find this exact idea of being enticed into sin. James chapter 1, verse 13, if you would. Read with me, James chapter 1, verse 13. The Bible says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Now, listen to this before we go on to the next verse. You know what he's saying here is this. It's not God's fault that you fell in love with that lady at work or that porn grabbed a hold of you or that money now manipulates and motivates your life much more than spiritual things. The truth is you have started down a road of trust. Don't blame that on God. God doesn't tempt people, and God can't be tempted. Look at verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away. That word drawn away there means to drag against your own will. It means to be taken into the toe by your own desire. See, he's drawn away of his own lust, his own craving, the things that he desires, and he is, there's that word, enticed. So here's what really happens as a Christian and as a person who loves God, you may fall into sin. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Christians can fall into sin and they need to be restored. But what ends up happening is you're not really taking care of your heart. And so in your heart, though you say you love God, and though you say you love your wife, and though you say you want to serve God, in your heart you still got that little hidden compartment that says, I really, sex is alluring and enticing, and pornography calls on me and making money, and I can't help it, I'm just angry. I don't like the way people are doing stuff. And you, 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 you got that inside of you, and it's pulling you, and it's messing with you. It's, you're enticed. The word enticed means to lure, as in the use of bait. Have you ever thought about how dumb a fish is? I mean, you run a hook through a worm. And when I was young, I thought you really got to hide that hook. You don't have to hide it. If he sees the worm, he's going for the worm. He can look there and say, that metal's fixed to pierce my head, go through my jaw. He doesn't even think like that. He's like you. He's just like, whoo. That looks fun right now in a few minutes. fact is, in Spanish, we have two words for fish. There's a word for fish, and there's a word for fish that's caught. You got a fish, then you got a caught fish. And most of you are caught fish when you let that thing get to you. He says, don't be enticed. To be enticed is to be foolish enough not to see the reality of sin. To be enticed is to be foolish enough not to see the reality of sin. It's to want it foolishly. It's never thinking about the consequences. The consequences. He had a wife and he had children. He goes to work. Things aren't as exciting at his home as they used to be. This lady at work, she's always dressed up. She's always got on her perfume. 
she's always sweet and he's always sweet. Their breath both smells good because they're work. And there's this little spark that starts to happen. But now we're fighting over who gets the kids on the weekend. And now our kids will grow up resentful. And we may have put something into play in their life. Look at Proverbs 1.10. My son, when sinners entice thee, would you say this with me? Consent thou not. Could you say that with me? Ready? Consent thou not. When sinners entice thee, what? Consent thou not. There are pleasures in sin for a season. The Bible even says that in Hebrews 11.25. Moses chose to suffer, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible is a very honest and clear book. It shows you how people got enticed. It shows you how people got hurt. It warns you so you can read the story and know it. In Judges chapter 14 and verse 15, there's a guy named Samson. And Samson is the man of God. He is chosen of God to do things. But he likes worldly women. He doesn't want to marry a girl from the church. He doesn't want to marry a girl that's loving Jesus. When he went down to the party, he saw these Philistine girls and he liked them. And he found this one girl, he wanted to marry her. And so he gets married to her. And uh, there's a riddle going on in the crowd. And, 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 and Solomon, uh, Samson's got a bet going with his lost buddies. So his lost buddies get up with his wife and try to talk her into telling him the, telling them what the, what the deal was. And they enticed her. They tricked her. They, and, and, and she wept in front of him. And she told him, said, if you loved me, you'd tell me. If you didn't hate me, you'd tell me. And he told her, he said, I, I hadn't even told my mama and my daddy. I can't tell you that story. And the Bible's words are, she lay sore upon him. Now, if you've ever been married, you know what that means. <laughs> I mean, I can do it to Betty, and Betty can do it. Come on, be honest. You know, you know, uh, it's just those little hints, that little nagging for here and nagging for there. And finally, you're like, it's whatever you want, it's fine with me. And so old Samson's there. Now, I'm sure that doesn't happen in anybody else's marriage, but in that, in Sam, Samson's like, good night, woman. And finally, he gives her an answer. And they killed her because he still won. And then the next thing, this boy's got a tendency towards women, buddy. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 1, he went down to Gaza and he saw a harlot, a prostitute, and he went in unto her. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 15, he finds him another woman. Her name's Delilah. And he meets this woman, Delilah. And he gets uh, married to Delilah. Delilah. Whoa, Delilah, she's, I actually met a Peruvian lady named Delilah. She came into my office for marriage counseling. And when she said, I said, what's your name? And he told me his name. And I said, what's your name? And she said, Delilah. And I went, would you repeat your name for me? She said, Delilah. I said, you're not saying Delilah. She said, yes, I'm. I don't think their parents knew much about the Bible or they knew something about her. But anyway, <laughs> that marriage didn't work out, by the way. I was like, you are a Delilah. And you know what Delilah says to, to, you know what Delilah says to Samson? She said, you have mocked me these three times. 
And then she says, she pressed him daily with her words until he was vexed unto death. He's like, I can't take it anymore. Nag, 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 nag. And finally, he's going to give in. And he's told her, he's given her three little stories. To, like, look, try this. And they, I mean, he ought to, if he had a brain. But you see, entice is silly. Entice is foolish. Entice is what we do when we let sin take over. He told her, he said, honey, if they were to wrap me up in some whisks, some new green cords, some new rope they just made, I would be powerless. And he's so dumb. She goes and gets him and says, come get him. They come in, he breaks him, jumps up and fights her. And he doesn't even look at her and go, did you tell him to do that to me? And I don't know what that discussion was that night when they were at home, you know, having a, a, having a, a ham and cheese before they went to bed. I don't know what the story was. And then a few days later, she comes back and says, hey, how about that? Tell me again. You lied to me last time. I'm trying to get my buddies to kill you, and I need you to be a little more honest. And he's like, I deserve it, Delilah. And he gives her another answer. And finally, they shave his head, and his strength is gone. He played with her. He toyed with sin. But he ends up with his eyes dug out of the sockets. He's a slave, treated like a mule. And his God's being mocked. Now, thank God, by the end of the story, Samson's, God's grace comes in and Samson wins the battle. Did you know you get enticed because the world and Satan know how to clothe sin? You see, you know what? Don't be silly. You know, the devil never comes to you with horns and a tail and a pitchfork and a red suit. I mean, that's how we picture him. But that's not how he comes to you because he knows you're smarter than that. So he says to you, it's not your fault. He says, let me give it another name and we'll call it a sickness. It's not drunkenness. It's alcoholism. Not your fault. He tells you that what you're doing is normal and everybody's doing it. He tells you no one will ever find out. He tells you you get to make your own decisions and Everybody that's trying to tell you not to do it just wants to cause you not to enjoy life. There's another guy that's enticed in the Bible. Just chose two stories, one positive, one negative. There's a guy named Joseph. Boy, he's God's man, been picked out to serve God. And this woman that he's working for, his, his, his owner's wife, is, sees him and says, man, you are a good-looking guy. And he just keeps working around the house. And every day she's flirting with him and talking to him. And finally, one day she says, let's have sex. And she reaches up and grabs his uh, robe. And he just lets it fly over his head and takes off running out the door. He said, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Oh, Joseph took the right thing. By the way, that cost him. He was falsely accused. He was cast into prison. But God blessed him. The offer to not be faithful to God will come at us in many ways. Do you realize that the devil just doesn't want you to serve God? That's all. I heard it explained this way one time. The devil doesn't care what sin you pick. He just wants you to pick one. He said it's like General Motors selling cars. You can buy the smallest little car they got, or you can buy the best car they got. You can buy the... $75,000 car, or you can buy the $10,000 car. They just want to sell you a car. The devil comes to you, and he says to you, 
I need you to sin. So, so some of us, he offers sex or being unfaithful to our partner. And so porn's everywhere you turn. And the opposite sex is always flirting with you. They're always nice to you. Money entices us. Now, this will make you all mad at me, but that's okay. I am a preacher, and that means I'm supposed to have to say stuff you don't like. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, you know that money causes people to walk away from God and stop serving faithfully? Do you know some people, because of money, they can't find time for church? They can't find time for Bible devotions at their home or Bible reading and prayer? They never admit it. Because we don't do that, I've got to take care of my family. We clothe it well. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil. I wish you'd have, if you had your Bible open, I wish you'd underline love of money. Uh, can I get you just look this way a second? We all like it. Any of you say you don't like it, we know you're lying. The love of money, but what happens is when you fall in love with it and when it becomes something that you, underline it, covet after. Look at it. Underline it in your Bible. Covet after. You desire it. You chase it. You hunger for it. What's the next dot com? What's the next uh, stock I can buy? What's the next business I can do? What can I do? Money has got to be here. Covet after. And so, look what? Some coveted after. Some aired from the faith. Would you underline that? They erred from the faith. Now, that's, this is a respectable sin. See, adultery and fornication and pornography, that's not respectable. But money's respectable. And a nicer car you can drive, and I like nice cars, don't get me wrong. And the nicer clothes you wear, and I like nice clothes. And the nicer house you can have, I like nice houses. But stuff is okay. Sex is bad, stuff is good in our mind, but it's not true. Not if it causes you to err from the faith. We are letting our kids learn that mom and daddy are after money too much to go to church. So when you kids get grown, just go ahead and go full hog after what we're after. Money. And your kids won't need to go to church. They'll follow your God with you. And they pierce themselves. <clears throat> With many sorrows, they pierce themselves. Now, I definitely feel like the Lone Ranger in this room. But I still think that's what the Bible says right there. Another thing a devil likes to do is cast doubt on God and his word, like he did with Satan, talking to Eve and saying, God's not telling you the truth. You want to hear another one of his things he does to get you out? He Friendships with those that worship other gods. Now you're, you're right now, you've already got your defensive. You just raised your shield of self-protection. But Solomon married women that had other gods, and because they were his wives, he needed to be nice, and he built them temples, and he, his heart gets away from God. And Islam is not so bad now because you've got some Muslim friends. And Buddhism is pretty nice. You even got a Buddha in your house somewhere. And Hinduism's okay because you've got some Hindu friends. And you've accepted sin. My son, if sinners entice thee, we want to fit in. 
We wouldn't put coexist on the back of our car, but in our heart, we want to coexist. We hate the fact that Christians are so contentious and say stuff like, Jesus is the only way. I mean, it just bothers us. I mean, you can say that at church, but please, Pastor, I wouldn't want you to come to a business party. If they found out how radical we are, they wouldn't like me. So wanting to fit into the world that hates God. It makes us embarrassed about who we are in Christ and what the Bible says. Don't be simple, foolish, easily deceived when someone tries to entice you to sin. Don't consent. I want you to notice in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10, I want you to notice the word sinners. You know who's enticing you, right? Them that's already messed up. Those that are already a little bit twisted, those that have already failed to, to, to they've fallen short of the mark, those that are already done wrong. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You know what? They're already in rebellion against God. <laughs> Any man or woman that would flirt with you and tell you, yeah, I go to a church just like yours, they're, they're lying somewhere. Being sweet to the opposite sex is like off limits. I'd say you couldn't be nice. I'd say you couldn't greet them. But you know, you got to be real careful. All the sweet words ought to be kept to the spouse. Thank you for one amen. But it's true. You ought to put up some stinking boundaries. I don't look at that. I don't listen to that. I don't talk to that. I plan on being married to this woman till I die. And so I am not going to have a discussion. This lady comes in and wants to talk to me about her problems. I say, look, me and my wife be glad to talk to you. But you need to, mm. anyway. I mean, I know I'm fighting an uphill battle today. I didn't know that when I prepared this, but here it is. They've already chosen to do wrong. They're sinners. They want to invite you along. They are not companions. We are not to be companions of those that do not love God. And these people don't want to be a companion to those that love God. In their first invitation in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 11, sinners, man, God just reveals sin is filthy and vile. When, Proverbs, when Solomon talks to his son, he says, look, they may tell you we're going to be buddies, and they may tell you that it's okay, and they may tell you it fits in, but son, you listen, this is what they're really saying. He says in 11, if they say, they're inviting you to violence and cruelty, but like cowards when they do it. Read verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as a grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. I wish you'd mark in your Bible, let us, let us, let us. Don't you want to fit in? Aren't you tired of feeling like the Lone Ranger? Aren't you tired of being the one on the narrow path with very few friends? Come on, come with us. There's a lot more fun over here where we're running. They're a bunch of cowards. They're lurking. They're lurking. <laughs> I mean, they're putting on one face and doing something else. <laughs> if you read the book of Proverbs, which we're going to get around to it, but if you get in the book of Proverbs, you're going to find out she talks sweet, but she's going to kill you before it's over. That's what strange woman's going to do to you. And so she's privily doing that. 
And he says, they, they invite you to come along. You see, sin is not innocent. Sin is rebellion. So you know how sin starts off? It starts by hurting people. Sin hurts people. And sin doesn't understand the word moderation. The problem with sin is, sin doesn't say, we'll just do a little bit and that'll be enough. Sin, it'll just consume you and take you. Call Samson and ask him how it went. That guy never meant to do that. He never meant for, he never meant for God to be mocked. He never meant to become a slave. He never meant to have his eyes dug out of his head. I don't know if you can ever picture that. They brought the strongest man on the planet who is now weak like a little girl. They brought him in a room and took a hot spoon and dug his eyeball out and threw it on the ground and dug the other one out and tied him up and beat him like an animal. He never meant for that to happen. Nobody means for that to happen. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. They sneak, they lurk privily in hiding to hurt others. There's nothing pretty here. There's no moderation. There's no slow getting to the hard stuff, according to Solomon, as he explains it to his son. They're bad, and they're bad from the beginning. Try this gateway drug. It'll make you feel good. I would never want to hurt you. I would never want you to get involved in that. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. That's what we said when I was a kid. They don't offer you that drug to be a friend. They don't offer you that drink to be your friend. They don't offer you that sin to be your friend. The imitation is that sin will provide them with the good life and money. Look at verse 13. We shall all find, we shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Come run with us and look how we can get rich. Verse 14, cast in thy lot among us. Let's have one purse. Let's share and share alike. What's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. And if you're gullible enough to believe that, I got you. Remember, this is Solomon warning his son not to be gullible. He knows the young are easily deceived. He knows their hunger to be accepted will entice them to sin. He warns them to say no. As adults, many act and think like children. And it's time to say no. As I have grown up and preached all my life, here's what I found out. Adults are just grown-up children. The warning is given in verse 15. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Notice, if you got your Bible open, thy foot their path, their feet. They're going one way, I don't want you going. They got a path I don't want you taking. Their feet are pointing in a different direction than yours ought to be. Take the other way. Every believer has to make a decision about that. To be a believer, you had to choose. You chose the narrow path and the narrow gate. You chose to walk the way God's people walk. You didn't choose the wide gate. God's people are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. If they proceed in this way, they're going to be trapped and destroyed. 
verse 17. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. See, what he's saying is you really can't trick people that easy. You can't be obvious about what you're doing. You know, if you put the net up, the bird's going, they got a net set up down there. So what's the hunter do? He figures out how to make the bird comfortable. He sets out a bunch of ducks. He hides behind a blind. He even get that. Nowadays, you can get ducks that move around for you. And all the ducks are flying by going, looks like a nice place to land. A lot of my buddies are already down there. And everybody's having a good time. And the hunter's like, come on. If I put a net up in front of you, you would never come down. But come on, sucker. And you'll be supper. Sin is self-destructive. In Proverbs 1.18, they lay wait for their own blood. <laughs> they don't mean to do that. They want to lay wait for other people's blood, but they lay wait for their own blood. They alert privily for their own lives. Those that invite others to sin often fall into their own traps. When you join in with sinners, you do so at your own risk, your own peril, your own danger. What are you going to do with the warning that Paul, that Solomon gives his son? Have you noticed the secrecy of sin and temptation? Have you seen the consequences? Will you be warned? Now, verse 19. Put on your seatbelt and prepare to get angry with me. But I'm just reading the book. You say you believe the Bible, so you can't really get mad at me. Say amen right there. Look at what it says here. And everything I just said, those are the ways of everyone that's greedy of gain. Oh, they, you couldn't put a net in front of them. They're not that dumb. If the devil held up and said, here's a dollar bill, stupid, come on and sin with me. You wouldn't do that. So he hides it. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible says, so are the words of everyone that's greedy of gain, which takes away the life of the owners of. Greed kills the greedy. I want you to look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, if you would. We looked at 10 just a second ago, but look at verse 9. They that will be rich fall into temptation and snare. Now, when I was in Peru, you know, the people I worked with were very poor compared to America and other places. And they used to say, that verse is about you and your country. And I had to show them what it said. It doesn't say the rich. It says that that will be rich. And poor people will be rich as much as rich people will be rich because we want to be rich. Because we all want money. They that will be rich. When you have a desire for money, read the verse. You fall into temptation. You fall into a snare, a trap, and a many foolish and hurtful lust. And so what the devil does is, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, the pigs got out. And my mama sent me out there. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I don't remember. And I tried to drive those pigs back in that pen. I hit them. I threw rocks at them. I beat them with sticks. I kicked them. They wouldn't even go in that pen. My mama comes out after I've been out there working for what seemed like a whole day. Probably wasn't 15 minutes, but seemed like a whole day. And she went in the barn, and she got a, she got a Folgers coffee can full of corn. And she walked over and said, hey, piggy, piggy, piggy. And she dropped a little bit of corn on the ground, and they all came running. And she backed up a little bit further and said, hey, piggy, piggy. She dropped it. In a few minutes, she's inside the pen. She dropped the rest of it. Hey, piggy, piggy, piggy. And they were in a snare, a temptation. 
and drowned in many foolish serpents for us because we're going to kill them in November and eat five of them and say amen. You know what the devil's doing to you? Hey, Christian, 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 here's a little bit of money. You would never take that money if it kept you out of church. But hey, Christian, Christian, and he keeps giving you a little bit more money. Finally, he's in there and he dumps a whole can of money. And he says, now you're in the trap. Now you're in the trap. You won't be able to make it to church. You're too busy for God. The devil's just laughing. Matthew 13, 22. Money and the care of this world and the deceitful of riches choke the word. Choke the word. Choke the word. Grabs the word of God and chokes it. I don't want to listen to you. I don't have time for you. Not them doing it. It's the money doing it. And they become unfruitful. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. You must love one and hate the other. You must love one and hate the other. We don't, now, no way, but you know, you know what you're thinking around? Not, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't have to be that drastic. I didn't say it. Read the verse. He said, you either love me or you love your money. Or you hate me and you love your money. Luke 12, 15, he said, life isn't about how much stuff you got. Desiring and coveting is the American Christian idol. You know what's probably the biggest sin in our group? The love of money. We wouldn't put up a big Buddha. Like I've been to a Buddha in Thailand. It wouldn't fit in this room. We would never do that. But we'd bow the knee at the stock market. God's people are suffering from being greedy of gain. It affects our time. We don't have time for church. We don't have time for personal work. We don't have time for devotions, discipleship. Because it affects our time. It affects our treasure. We need more money. So tithing and giving has actually become harder. Amazing. God makes $100, can give 10 but a guy that makes 10000 can't give 1000 They figure out every creative way not to tithe. It affects treasure. If you knew how uncomfortable I was right now, because I know you don't like me. We do not like people talking about money. It makes us uncomfortable. We plan someday to use our money for the Lord, but we need it now. And maybe one day, finally, Maybe we'll do something for God. It affects our talents. We need our abilities to serve ourselves and our future more than others. We're too tired to work in the ministry. We need to rest up. We need to come to church and get a blessing. We need just to, I need to come to church to rest. I don't need to get involved in work. It affects our talents. We feel we're above most menial talents. A task, most menial task that a servant would perform. After all, we got money. When the sin of greed entices, but we decide to say no and consent not. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. 
victory over temptation, learning to say no. I call this message, I don't ever tell you what I call him, it's just really for me. But the title of the message is, just say no. No to sex outside of marriage. No to anger. No to money. Say no. You say, no, we can't say no to money. Jesus said you could. 624. Matthew 624, we read it just a minute ago. He didn't say, say no. He said, say, I hate it. Realize this. It's hard to stop sinning once you get started. So don't get started. And if you are, stop now. Just say no. Give like you have never given. Serve like you've never served. Pull out your calendar and say, no, God gets first. Your company doesn't need to come first. See the consequences. It's dangerous. It's disgraceful. It's deceitful. Be careful with your friendships and companions. We like to run with people that make us feel good about what we're doing. Beg God to deliver you and to guide you out of sin and into him. I have a statement to make. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your word. And I pray, dear God, that tonight you might deal with our hearts this morning. Our jealousy, our anger, our greed, our desire for sex, our desire to fit in. And help us today to pick up a cross and follow you. God, I pray you'd be magnified and glorified in our lives. And I'll give you praise for what you do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I really think there ought to be some praying and surrendering, some laying some wallets on the altar and saying, God, I have let this manage me, and I'm going to turn it over to you to manage. I think a watch, a calendar ought to be laid on the, cal- on the, wall, on the altar. Pictures of our family members, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, our children ought to be laid on the altar. God, you take it all. It's all about you, not about me. Come on. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Today's the day you can be saved. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you so that you could be saved.